Hi, this is Betsy Beers, and I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official podcast for the night that we like to call TGIT, the Shondaland night of programming and television on the fantastic network ABC. And then, of course, it's Thursday night for you guys who, well, you guys all know it's Thursday night because you're listening to this, and it was after Thursday night, so I don't know why the hell I'm saying that. But <laughs> at any rate, and I bet you're listening to this, like, chuckle in the background because this dude is so polite that he's actually chuckling at this point. <laughs> but now he's actually laughing, which is good. But I bet you guys recognize that laugh because it's one of my favorite laughs both on and off the show. And also one of my favorite actors, Conrad Ricamora, who plays Oliver. Yeah, and, that's me. Um, it's so nice to have you here. Nice to see you. And I was weirdly, you don't know this, I might have told you this, but I don't think I did. You were in the pilot. Yeah. And I was there for a good portion of the pilot when you were shooting your scenes. And I never actually really got a chance to talk to you. Yeah. But I became obsessed with you in the pilot, like oh, obsessed yeah. in a really odd, <laughs> slightly grandmotherly way, you guys. Not anything more creepy. No, than it's that, okay. Like, I'll take more any like, kind of validation. More like. <laughs> but I literally was, I kept saying to Pete, like, by the way, that's my chair. It's creaking. You guys remember this, right? Yeah. So I kept saying to Pete, like, oh, my God, that guy is the cutest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's so great. I love him so much. And people's like, I know I love him so much, too. And so we made it this weird mission. Thank God. From the pilot on to figure out as many ways as possible to cram you in the show. So poor Oliver kept popping up at the strangest times. And I think Oliver became like, you were pushing out Nate and Annalise for like top relationship on television as far as I could tell. So. Yeah, I think it resonated. People were ready to see a goofy guy with a, a hot cute, guy. Cute, cute, <laughs> cute guy. See, this a is the deal. A goofy guy like me. Cute guy, you guys. some like sex pot. <laughs> that's, that's hysterical. <laughs> okay, now as is tradition, I'm going to tell you what um, Conrad is wearing. He's oh, yeah. wearing um, a really cool pair of glasses. There's yeah, a really skinny frame. are uh, Armani. They're yeah. Armani. Okay, let me just say he's very well attired today. Um, he's wearing these cool sort of classic, you would have thought they're classic sort of tortoise shell shaped Armani glasses, but they're thinner. They shape your face really nicely. Thank you. You're I, in a, it's almost like it's a, like a faded. mixed with Navy. Yeah, of. it's my boyfriend's. Now, does your boyfriend let you borrow his clothes a lot? Do you guys borrow each other's clothes? Yeah, when we're like, oh, I have to go do a podcast in uh, my, my apartment right now. I just bought a place and it's being fumigated for termites. They do it every... That's sexy. Yeah, you know. That's like so being was, a sex symbol, I know you probably... The, termi- the oh, termite Oh, gosh. Thing. Please, I just... <laughs> if, if I hear I'm a sex symbol one more time, ah. Uh, He's um, flipping I'm, his head around like a sex symbol. Yeah. He's just going, oh. No, please. I'll take all of that. Um, <laughs> but so they're fumigating it so you can't move in yet? I had to move out for three days. And then, uh, so I'm staying with him and this is his sweater. And I was Good like. Good job. The only thing that I can really borrow from my husband are scarves. And yeah. anybody who knows my husband, because he spends a lot of time on set actually with you guys, Bruce, who's the legal consultant. I think I've said this a lot in this podcast but the dude just dresses like he all he cares about is his suits and he wears all these outfits and I dress sort of like a seventh grade boy no like, you I dress ca- really really I, I kind smart of, it's really like, nice but it's like usually I just wear jeans and boots and I really very often but, and my poor husband is like like decked out all yeah, the time but here's the thing the podcast listeners probably can't see is that you've got a banging body and so like <laughs> like seriously though and so like simple things and you wear things that like 
fit you really well. And so it's like you, yeah, you just come in every afternoon. You move through with confidence and yeah, everything looks good on you. Very, very nice of you to say, and I'll give you the $5 later. Um, But I can borrow scarves from him and that's pretty much it. And he has all these great scarves. Yeah. Because he went through this period where he went on eBay and he just kept finding scarves. So every once in a while I'm walking out of the house, he goes, what's that? Like it's nothing, it's just... The checked like cashmere scarf that you bought on eBay. It's fine. <laughs> Looks really good on me today. Busy, 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 busy. Um, but you're also wearing some black jeans and some yeah, these, top ciders, like uh, old-fashioned kind of Sperry top cider-ish things. Yeah, these actually except chicer. These jeans have a story because uh, I wore them for the show and then I bought them from John Barbados. And so you were actually or just telling me earlier you you shelled that for a pair of Barbados boots that are yeah. nice, nice. Well, that that might also, be Lynn Palo, our costumer who uh, oh yeah who's super loving the john varvados yeah i she's the best and sometimes she gives me a sweet hookup on, like, i gotta say her design. sweet hiccups are super sweet yeah big shout out to lynn palo and yeah. her good taste yeah and her discount so the episode that um you guys all hopefully watch and if you didn't you'll hear this and you'll watch it that's kind of a different kind of awakening for oliver like we sort of discovered that oliver's pretty good at lying. He's still keeping this secret copy of Annalise's phone record and doing a good job of it, you know, encountering Michaela and Asher and Connor and having really intense conversations with Connor and still not revealing this other thing. Right? Yeah, and I also think it's fun to see how, oh, okay, he's having to deal with what they've had to deal with now for the past, like, two seasons and he's cracking a little bit. Um, this know. was a pretty high pressure episode. One of my favorite moments is it's after the funeral and you get this phone call and you have no idea who it is and you pick it up and your face, watching what your face goes through when you realize who's on the phone with you. Yeah. And we're seeing both sides, but it's like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of death and dying. Yeah, the like, five. There's shock and then there's anger and, then, and it all happens like super quick. Yeah. And you say you'll go in and meet and everybody's like, no, no, you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And right. Then I believe you have a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it's about time someone had a panic attack on the show. You know, it's it's shocking to me that they've been able to keep it together as well as they have considering. Well, the you know, last kind of panic attack I remember was actually Connor coming home to see you in oh, season yeah. one. Oh. And he had to say he was on drugs to cover the fact that he was such a disgusting mess. Yeah. A classic example of it. He was couldn't breathe. Yeah. Going through all those stages. But then you kind of go in and... You lie like a pro. You did an amazing job in the police station. I like that we're finding out that Oliver maybe isn't as, or he's capable of much more than just being an IT guy in some office. I like that that there's there's levels that are that feel like are about to be kind of explored and expanded on with him. And yeah, there's so many different interesting ways I could see it going. I can't wait to see what Pete and everyone else comes, comes up, up with. with. I know, because it's always so interesting to see. And I, I don't really think of Oliver necessarily initially as duplicitous. I think he's sort of a people pleaser Yeah. to a large degree. He just wants to fit in and have things go really well. And if that means, oh, I don't know, stealing some phone records or right. lying about a couple of things it seems like he gets past it because he's got this group of people he really likes yeah i always think about the first the first couple lines i had in the pilot with oliver when he was like i'm here with work friends but i don't talk to guys at bars like ever and then all of a sudden this guy's paying attention to him and then he like explodes his world of like 
oh, people might like me. <laughs> I might like being around people. And then that becomes like addictive in a way. And, and you're right, he'll make illegal phone copies and or, or erase Annalise's phone because he wants to be around these people yeah. that validate him so much. I mean, I think we can all relate to that to some degree. Well, and then there's the total tricky business with getting the Stanford admissions thing. Yeah. <laughs> which also was a slightly different side of Oliver, which was, to me, incredibly refreshing because it was like, the dude's got a backbone. Yeah. When we Jack and I would talk about these characters, we really start fighting for what they want and Jack fights really hard for what Connor wants and then I'm like, wait, wait, wait no, no, no. He can't... <laughs> Oliver is now in this world, and so he wants what he wants, and he's going to fight for that. And I like that it showed he has a backbone as well. Oh, no, I think, I think he totally does. And look, he definitely has a backbone because he was the one who broke up to say that he wanted to find himself because he knew that he didn't know who he was. And I was like, that is some high-level knowing of yourself. Yeah, yeah. For a guy who was looking to find himself, I think he knew himself well enough to know that he needed to find himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if any of you guys followed that, that's amazing. Yeah, I, just, I mean, that's free, like, therapeutic advice from Betsy. Oh, my God. Like, right? like just an, I've been to a therapist for enough years that <laughs> I should be like paying it forward because yeah. God knows I paid it back. <laughs> now tell us a little bit about like your audition initially for the pilot and how you found out you got the part because you're a really super fancy Broadway actor too. Yeah, I'm super fancy. I sing and you I... were like in The King and I, which was a super fancy show. Oh yeah, it won the Tony Award for it Best. Musical. Might have just done that. Exactly. Yeah, um, and I finally got Kelly O'Hara her Tony Award after six nominations, and uh, the show itself like is just. I mean, it's the music it's holds up. Music yeah, ever. but we went back and did it in a really authentic way because you know a lot of productions of Asian shows they sometimes try to like mm -hmm. make it or ornamental or oriental, fantasy like, orientalism. Fant yeah, yeah. We had accents, but we worked with a uh, we didn't. It wasn't just a general Asian accent, which is so frustrating and which I've been asked to do in the past with different productions and it's so infuriating because you're like these are people they're not general asian <laughs> there's their front and this is a true actually a true story and we can learn about it if we take the time to actually do it right but a lot of like regional theaters don't want to take that time to do it right or don't care Anyway, this Broadway production was not that. It was really specific, really um, grounded, besides having like a lot of like beautiful elements to it as well. I was really bummed I didn't get a chance to see it because I heard it was great. And also, yeah. the other thing was the way The King was played by two different actors struck oh, me so interesting. Yeah. Like those two different actors and how differently their presence was sort of felt in the show. Yeah, yeah, and they were very different. Our first King was Ken Watanabe, who's just- Hello. <laughs> swoon and amazing <laughs> like yeah and the sweetest the sweetest guy but also he doesn't really speak english that and that made sense for this show that's why our director bart sure wanted to get him because he doesn't speak english very well and so uh and there was this real like cultural language barrier like for real that and it happens in the show with anna and the king but it really existed between kelly and ken <laughs> and so it was nice to see that play out and then we had hoon lee come in who was on the tv show banshee for a while and just was a very very different a great presence as well so it was yeah it was good to get both of those experiences it's kind of interesting yeah. Yeah. yeah oh so uh i originally went in for wes oh, that's right you did yeah and in new york that went came and went and then a few weeks later I got the call to go in for this one episode part of Oliver and uh I went in 
put it on tape once with a casting director and his assistant. And then I guess the tape circulated for like weeks because everybody has to sign off. It was endless. Oh, yeah? I was signing off in a guest star in a pilot is it can be endless yeah it felt like it it's bizarre <laughs> but they were like i kept getting calls from my agent they this person likes you and then this person likes you but we have to wait until we get the this person like will like you and then we have to keep waiting for more people to like you which is <laughs> the life of an actor man you really do develop thick skin because i don't remember it being that tough because i've been acting for a while and i'm like okay let's see here we go but the thing i loved about the audition is when i went in for oliver there was a black guy in the waiting room. There was a Latino guy in the waiting room. There was a white guy. It wasn't specified to be any race at all. But every usually when that happens, people are only seeing white people. But that's the thing I love about Shondaland as well, is that it's inclusive. It just includes everybody. We, um, we make a thing about, for the most part, there's no character descriptions. I mean, you know if somebody's male or female, but honestly, we've switched that too. Yeah. So we purposely don't put any description a physicality because the idea is it's the best way you get a really interesting mix of people and it makes you look at a character just from the core of the character and not from a type which is yeah. what is just 10 times more interesting so then it just becomes about perceived chemistry and a feeling as yeah. opposed to some image you had in your head which is what's really fun about it well you and actually bellamy young i think is another example because bellamy young i think was a guest star on scandal we oh. cast her as melly grant she had one scene where she went live <laughs> at camp david and it was sort of like she he's right back here and it was literally like two lines and yeah. we fell in love with her in the first couple of episodes where she had a little bit to do and then just kept building it, the part and building the part, and then she became a regular as well. And it was yeah. a similar sort oh, of food cool. chain. But she was also, she, I met her for the first time in New York at Jesse Tyler Ferguson's opening uh, of Fully Committed, the one, one, one man show, one woman show, sorry, Jesse, the, the, the one man show he was doing on Broadway for a while. And she's so lovely. And she was telling me that she was working in New York theater and she's a singer as well. Yeah. And I just love that. She's great. Well, yeah. you guys broke through the guest star barrier faster than a speeding bullet. Hey. Boy, that's for sure. Hey, I'm glad. Well, enough yeah. people had to approve you. My God, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't need to be approved as a regular because they'd already approved you as a guest star. Yeah. Did you move out? You moved out here as a result of this part? Yeah, uh, yeah this past July when I became a series regular. We, series regular. And... Were you, like, were you surprised? Because we weren't surprised. We just kept trying to figure out how to freaking speed it up. <laughs> I, no. Because we oh, used you in, like, all the episodes. Yeah, the so first two. Tip the, off. the first two seasons, like, yeah, I was in every episode <laughs> besides, like, two. So I wasn't that surprised, but it was, I was extremely excited because I get to be here with all of you lovely people. Yeah, so are we, man. And at the table reads and, like, all of that stuff that, like, I'd gotten to do a few of, but not very many because I was flying in from New York. First table reads, first or second table read, you came in. I didn't know you were going to be there and because we actually hadn't really ever spoken before. Yeah. And I, like, twice or three times for some reason... I see somebody in person and I get really like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I don't want to go up and say hi because I, I, I'm just like, I don't want to remember this. It happened with you and William Daniels, of all people, who's this really <laughs> old, famous TV actor who was on this show called St. Elsewhere and I idolized him and he was at a Grace Table read playing a part and everybody was like, go up and say hi. I was like, I can't. <laughs> and I looked at Pete Nowak at the table read and I said, oh my God, Conrad's here. And he said, go up and say hi. I said, I can't. <laughs> and he was like, why not? You've met him. I was like, I'm just so excited he's here. It's just so weird. So once again, 
not creepy, you guys. No. Maternal and slightly yes. grandmotherly. Yeah, and, and very, it's all from a place of love. Yes, and, and inclusion. Inclusion, not yeah. Not creepy, scary, gentle, stalkerish <laughs> stuff, which right. I know some people might interpret, but that's honestly not the hey. case. So you okay if I ask you some fan questions? Yeah. Great. Okay. Shiria at Scandal Cat Getaway mm, wants to know if you could play anyone else in the show, who would you play? Ooh, I just am a little bit fangirling over Milana D.A. Atwood. I really liked her as an right. actress, and she makes me want to play that part, like right. because she's just like can walk in and be a badass and like goes toe to toe with Annalise, like as a, in the courtroom. I really yeah. she's really really got a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie at Jaxi Fallahi wants to know what character are you most like personally? Do you think? I would say Oliver. Well, it's Oliver and Asher. A little. In that. Okay. Yeah. Asher, really? Yeah, because I'm like he's so goofy and like I'm 99.99999% percent of the time that I'm living, uh, just being a weird goofball. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that speaks to a number of other questions. I mean, Lucy at X Hugman Naya, I'm really doing badly at these names, you guys. I'm sorry. Says, is Oliver similar to you? Um, there's a lot of that, which is kind of cool. Uh, Tracy Arcat at Tracy Rudder wants to know, Oliver wanted so badly to work for Annalise and be involved in all the bad stuff. What do you think he feels like now? I think he had some idea of what he was getting into. I don't think he knew what it would exactly feel like to know that these people have murdered people. Not just one person, but possibly several. But I think he wouldn't go back and change it because he was living a really safe, probably solitary life without a lot of friends and has a, a group of people that he's been through a lot with. And I think he wouldn't change it. I don't, I think it's difficult for him. Isn't it so funny how you get attached? Like you just, I just, I just want to give him a, like a hug. Be like, hey, it's going to be okay, Oliver. It's true. And it's at Phallic Shine also. Shreya both asked, what's your favorite scene so far this season? The, there's a scene in this episode where Connor and Oliver are just laying in bed. Oh my God, I love this scene. I know, me too. I, I love it. And because, he starts to giggle. Yeah. But I love that because it, they're not back together or are they but they don't even know but they're sharing they're, it seems there's something really intimate about laying in bed talking to someone and not they're not even touching so they're just like going through their day and oliver has this little mini giggle fit that's my favorite scene i think out of the whole season is because it feels so real in the middle of all of this stuff that's going on there's always the sweetness between them that like i really think kind of permeates through the show in a really cool way. No, I think you're right. And I also think you don't very often see characters just being. Mm. Like, especially in this show, you just don't have that much time. Right. There's, there's so, so much So they're happening. either like running around or bearing evidence or having sex or... Yeah. But just doing what you do, honestly, in most relationships, spend most of your time doing, which is changing channels. Yeah. <laughs> like sitting, changing channels and like talking. Yeah. And there is something really, I got to say, it's one of my favorite scenes too. It always really sticks out for me because it's also two people who are together whose heads are both in totally different places in a weird way. Yeah. They're the same place, but Oliver's head is all about like, man, I 
cannot believe that I just did that and I pulled that off. And Connor, who's a little like, man, I can't believe you just did that and pulled that off. <laughs> right. Like, without the judgment, but more like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same point, it's super intimate and very normal. Yeah, yeah. Which is super cool. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Vu at Mr. Michael Deja Vu wants to know if Colliver had a song, what song would it be? It changes through the seasons, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I used to think it would be Say Something, that really sad song with uh, by Great Big World and mm -hmm. Christine Aguilera's on it. I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. <laughs> God. All of these like heartbreakers. <laughs> this man this man is totally prepared. Yeah. Well, these are things that I listen to. Like, I don't want to give away all of my secrets, but these are things that I listen to when, I, when I'm getting ready for these scenes because they hit on something. Like yeah, no, fighting, totally. fighting for love, like, and all the stuff that, that they've gone, oh my God, all the stuff that they've gone through. And we're only on season three. Like, <laughs> they've gone through so much. So I would say I Won't, I won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. Um, a lot of people ask questions. A number of people here actually wanted to know how you feel about Alfie's departure and what was your favorite scene working with Alfie? Oh, it makes me want to cry. Ooh, okay, hold on. We're having <laughs> just, a minute. We're just having a moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. You get to know someone. I always have a hard time watching TV series finales because you see the characters saying goodbye to each other and then you also see the actors saying goodbye to each other. The one that stands out for me and they shot on our lot is Golden Girls. Their series finale is just so heartbreaking. They're all in tears, but you you feel how close they've gotten through these like seven seasons. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels with Alfie. It feels like losing a family member because, you know, we've taken trips to, together and we've done all of these events together. He's come and seen me sing. Uh, we've met each other's significant others. You live so much life with, the, with people. This is what I'm learning. It's my first TV show, but like it's been three years now and, and you've take for granted the amount of life that you've lived with them until it's time to say goodbye to them. It's super, you know, it's really, really hard. Yeah. And I think what's interesting with you guys is because, and you were included in this, despite the fact that technically you weren't a regular, from the moment we shot the pilot, everyone hung out together. Like yeah. all you guys hung out together and it's an inordinately close group of kids. Yeah. Which we always called you was the kids, which was a really close group of kids. But you never know when they're coming back because yeah. there are those damn flashbacks. My favorite scene with Alfie was when they we threw him Wes's birthday party. It was just fun to like do that surprise thing, even though it was fictional. It was just really fun. <laughs> so Tracy Arcat at Tracy Redder wants to know, what would you be doing if you weren't an actor? I love coffee shops and I opened a student-run coffee shop when I was in I got my minor in business and my uh, BA was in psychology I didn't start acting until later but I didn't ever want to be a psychologist I wanted to learn about it I like I knew I needed to pick a subject that would keep my interest but I would want to open a coffee shop that would maybe double as a performance space at night for like one woman shows <laughs> like jesse tyler ferguson's one woman show <laughs> he's gonna kill me uh, uh, <laughs> if you're listening jesse my coffee shop is free for you to perform at any time you'd like <laughs> uh, see i like the performing coffee shop idea when i was an actor and i really sucked at it i wanted to open something called nip and tuck which was a bar and a laundromat Ooh. So that you could actually hang out at the bar while your laundry was getting done. 
Uh-huh. And I was like, nip and tuck, I gotta find an investor. Yeah. I didn't know anybody to invest in. I think I think they have it in Brooklyn now. They do. And yeah. you know what? It I remember like five years after I came up with it, somebody was called like Spin Cycle or something, and somebody opened one in Texas and being like, like, why did I have this idea and I just didn't do anything with it? Because I still think it's a really, really good idea. Yeah. Like Yeah, and especially in New York where you know you really, nobody has a laundry. Nobody has like, laundry. It's like Valhalla. It's like <laughs> Like over the rainbow. Yeah. When you finally move someplace and there's even a machine in your oh building. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, glorious. You mean I don't have to haul my dirty underwear across like uh, Columbus or like across like 7th Avenue? Like, I don't think I did laundry. Yeah. Like, no. To avoid doing this, Just I clothes. think I washed stuff out in the sink. Like, oh. I. It's the most pathetic story ever, but I just, I, I really hated doing it. It builds character, you know? <laughs> it made you who you are. You know what? It totally did. Yeah. And I'm not going to complain about it because I learned how to do like many hand laundries with just a little bit of dish soap. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> I just, I'm now picturing you with like a washboard. Like. That would be so fun, wouldn't it? Exactly. Thank you so much for doing this. It was just so nice of you to take oh, like yeah. one of your precious hiatus daisies offies. That's all right. So next week, on uh, Thursday, February 16th, we've got an episode of Grey's Anatomy. And that's TGIT, of course, you guys. That's a Thursday night. It's Grey's Anatomy. It's called It Only Gets Much Worse, which I know isn't incredibly optimistic as a title. But the episode's really, really good. And those attendings and Eliza, I'm just going to say, it's not smooth sailing with those guys. And it's still not smooth sailing. That's the biggest hint I'm going to give you about this episode. (laughs) Scandal is called The Belt. It involves Cyrus, and that's all I'm going to say because it's super intense. Grey's Anatomy, 8 o'clock. ABC Thursday, Scandal, 9 o'clock, ABC Thursday, and of course, How to Get Away with Murder. The episode is called It's War. It is war. I'll just tip you off and say, yes, it is. Pretty incredible, and there's a lot of twists and turns in this episode. It's getting real. It's getting real. It's like 10 o'clock on Thursday nights on ABC. Just watch it live. You don't, yeah. you just sit there. It's a great night. And you, you know you people are going to gonna be talking about it and you don't want to be one yeah. of those people that are like, la, 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 don't, don't, don't talk say about that. it. Don't yeah. say that I can't so go online. Yeah. Now, thanks again to EW.com for posting an exclusive first listen of the podcast. And thanks to all of you for listening, especially those who've subscribed to the podcast. Thanks, you guys, for subscribing. You make me look important at itunes.com backslash Shondaland. We'll be back with another new podcast in two weeks. That's right. It takes me two weeks to actually get enough breath to do this now. So that's what we're doing with another very special guest from one of our TGIT shows. In the meantime, have a great couple of weeks. It's Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of all those TGIT shows saying, stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.